1: if you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk
2: about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
3: All right, welcome to Snacky Tunes. That was just Octo, Octa, Who Will I Become, the lead track off his new EP Between Two Selves. we we'll be playing a little bit later today. Very excited. Cool. Yeah. Good, appropriate uh, music for a sort of rainy Monday here in New York. I'm Darren Bresnitz. I'm one half your host. Shout out to Greg Bresnitz, who's traveling in France for two weeks. That lucky, lucky guy. It's, uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to have Lauren Sinamon? Get- C- Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah. Uh, there's a wine there. It's sort right of throw <laughs> me. And Chris Grosso from Vice uh, on the show. Very excited. A lot of really fun, exciting stuff going on. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, so let's get into a little bit uh, about your history. Uh, Lauren, you went to, you studied film.
4: Yep. SUNY Purchase.
3: How would you like it up there?
4: Uh, I hated it while I was there, <laughs> like most kids do. But the minute I graduated, I realized how great of a program it was. And many people at Vice, actually, are coming from the Purchase. Uh, is that is that
3: the nickname? The Purchase?
4: Uh, it's actually the Purchase Mafia is the nickname.
3: Oh. oh, really? That yeah. many people?
4: Yep. Uh, apparently, they, as um, like Stanley Tucci went there, and uh, the other... The women from The Sopranos, and they all work within... Once you get out, they'll all get, find you and help you find a job, so... Do you, do you have a handshake? Uh, we don't, but we should.
3: <laughs> and so uh, you um, were doing a lot of stuff... Uh, you've been doing documentaries.
4: Yeah, docs.
3: Uh, what do you love about docs?
4: Um, I love editing, and I think I was on set once when I thought I wanted to do narrative in school, and the repetition was so boring to me, and... I just feel like it's really fun directing in the edit and the collaboration you can find in doc. Um, finding the story is—it's just—it's it, it, more fun for me than ever working in narrative. And it's—it's it's, each material you work with uh, kind of dictates how how the story should go, and so it's new every time.
3: And you graduated, and more or less, went straight to to VBS. Yeah,
4: straight. A couple months, but couple yeah. Months but yeah right there was that a
3: mafia no i they just
4: they were just looking for editors and um i had done a documentary about um someone um an environmental terrorist as they call (laughs) um out in oregon and they watched my stuff and i was really used to doing short films and that's kind of what vice ended up doing where you had to shoot edit direct do everything yourself um
3: And I remember your first series, the Toxic series. Uh, I think the one that scared me the most is probably Toxic Greenpoint, because hanging out in Greenpoint and seeing how awful everything was like four inches below me. Yeah, I actually live there
4: now too, so it's quite scary. Uh, Yeah, that was an interesting one about the uh, Exxon Mobil spill that still exists under Greenpoint to this day. There's lots of cancer-related stories to it. Uh, but the Toxic series—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a great series. It's one of the first serious series that I think Vice did that gave VBS uh, and Vice a different angle than the magazine.
3: Now, Chris, Lauren was already working at VBS when you wrote them, right?
5: Yes, I uh, got off work one night, like I told you, and uh, I watched the the show Epically Latered, which was the was Patrick O'Dell's skate mm-hmm. uh, show, and. Um, you know, it seems like it was just like raft the first one was probably like the second or third uh, episode, and I wrote a MySpace message to him like, "Oh, the you know, not I don't want to say like, oh, every the archival was wrong, but I was like, oh, if you ever need any help with something like this, I have a, a vast library of skate videos and all this useless knowledge of, uh, of the skateboard industry and skateboard history. So, long story short, I went in. I think uh, two days later, and then just started coming in more and more and sitting with Lauren and uh, just kind of figuring out not just how that show works but how one puts together uh, short documentaries.
3: Now, uh, you've been working in food since you were 12, right? Yeah. Uh, You have actually, it's your father who, I've actually been to the Wyckoff Delicatessen. Uh, It's a pretty famous deli in, in northern New Jersey.
5: Yes, it was started by uh, Cornelius Yoke in 1954. It was a a, a German guy. Uh, I think he was living. Wykoff is like a lily white suburb, uh, mostly Dutch. Wykoff is like a Dutch word. Yeah. When you tell people you're from Wyckoff out here, they think of kind of towards Ridgewood, Queens area. But uh, this was my dad worked in publishing for Random House for years, and then. I guess decided to get into something more lucrative, always was interested in culinary arts, and he uh, bought a pretty well-established German deli.
3: For those who aren't familiar uh, with the New Jersey deli diner scene, it's it's a big deal.
5: A deli does not sell dog bones, tampons, deodorant. No. A deli sells food. So, yeah.
3: Well, those are bodegas. The, right. Those
5: are those are, but that's what I, that's the distinction when someone says the deli here. Yeah. Like you can get a decent sandwich at a bodega, yeah, but it's few and far between.
3: No, the uh, the the art of deli and appetizing is. I mean, it's coming back, but it's 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 hell. You got to
5: make twenty fresh salads a day, five soups, then sandwiches, and obviously the the help you get there is not the smartest. Maybe in New York though. I mean, if you could try to spin it like a barista, maybe it would be good, but, you know, not in northern Jersey, so it's like a...
3: <laughs> so, for both of you, for those who've never watched VBS or Vice, you guys, there's now a show on HBO, but you guys have a very different take on storytelling and producing, um, and the way that you represent people through a media lens. Can you talk about your narrative approach and your aesthetic approach? Uh,
4: so, particularly... The shows that Chris and I have worked on, we have, I guess, worked on, uh, in the most recent years, more of the culture angle, so we uh, have worked on the show, Tattoo Age, uh, which we've been pitching for years, and finally, like two years ago, um, got it up and running, but it... So that series profiles the tattoo artists that we think are the best in the country or have... um, really shaped the way modern tattooing is. And we feel that traditional media is horrible at re- with the reality shows. And uh, really the narrative and the point is to make content that we want to watch ourselves and not dumb it down to the lowest common denominator. And think if you have something appealing in a story that people will wa- want to watch and pay attention to it.
5: It's pretty straightforward. It's done well. Lauren is obviously a professionally, you know, she's a trained film editor and... Uh, so instead of just having twenty people at a you know a, a production company who don't really know the subject matter great but you know can it's more personal it's more well thought out and it's easily controlled you don't have to come back from a commercial break so you don't have to always re-explain the same thing five times the story can always move forward and so it's everything from tattoo age to we've done we do a show called On Acid and give the person. Tab or two of acid, and then they have to cover an event. And we did one uh, with a guy that did stand-up comedy for the first time. Another person went to the Westminster Dog Show, and then oh I brought God. somebody to a monster truck rally. And it's basically it's it's so simple, it's deceptive. It's just get the camera there, someone to lead them through, and just kind of ask someone about their experience, and and that's it. I guess it's it's so it's straightforward, and then, and then you know, obviously it's I think Lauren's technical skill that that makes it really go, but it 's uh
4: and I think a lot of the content is uh, it is so personal to the people who make it it 's uh, you know there 's a real talented pool of people who work there, and, yeah not just our stuff and uh, you know there 's only a couple of people working on like their passion projects, and if it 's not a network of people and it 's more like they really give the opportunity I think for a place that you wouldn 't have short films go I think that of them as short films that there 's not really any place for that there's festivals but there's not really it doesn't really fit in the mold of other networks so
3: do you see this as the future of television and storytelling with you guys leaving the forefront but other uh, networks popping up using the same sort of ideas and platforms and integration that you're doing
4: totally if you even look at apple tv the way it's like a curated list of content that you want to view
5: yeah, it's, it's super personal, and I think it's kind of the next generation will be not even a conglomerate of, of uh, or not even like one network, but it'll be, there's one kid out there, and he makes the, um, you know, he makes the bakery show. And he goes to bakeries, and he shoots, produces, edits it, airs it from his, you know, computer, someone comes to him if they want to buy it, and I think that, that will truly be, you know, that's where I think it will go next. It's so, it gets so specific that everybody can watch exactly what they want to watch all the time, you know? Speaking of niche programming, what sort of numbers are you
3: looking at for viewers as what is considered a success? Because when even main network numbers are getting lower, which is a good sign for broadband channels. But what type of thing, what type of
5: viewership are you looking for?
4: It's definitely growing. Uh, it, you know, munchies, to, for it, example, you know.
5: It grows constantly, like... All of our Munchies, Just the Munchies videos on the Vice YouTube channel has got more views than all of the Food Networks stuff on the YouTube channel. Our audience is already there, and I think we're actually kind of uh, training them to to look for you know, food stuff now. And they're not necessarily like into different chefs and they're just watching because they think the stories are interesting or they think it's funny that this guy cooked something drunk like in the case of Munchies but if you look at Vice like I think the, one of the top videos is like 11 million and if you look at one of like the top Munchies it's hovering around 700,000 views some of them are I mean I always use the uh, example of the Brad Spence episode he's you know a very talented chef that works for Mark Vetri or their business partners down in Philadelphia and he has a couple hundred thousand YouTube views, not including the views on the site. They're, they're separate. That's kind of a boring detail, but I think to have, you know, a quarter of a million views for somebody that's relatively obscure, people are watching because they like his story, you know? So it grows all the time, so it's hard to say. I would say 250,000 views on an episode would be, would be that's great. That's good. Quarter of a millions? That's Yeah, and
4: that's within like a week. Yeah,
5: yeah. yeah, yeah. It goes pretty fast. All right,
3: well, we're going to take a pause. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Munchie's edit out the food vertical the guys are planning. We are actually doing our next barbecue blowout on July 9th with Brad Spence and Mark Vetri That's awesome. if you guys want to come. At,
5: at at, on, right down the street from our house? Hope
3: Street. Yeah. They're coming up from, we're bringing them up from Philly. Oh, wow. We're going to do, they're going to do their barbecue. Ten bucks for That's Mark awesome. Vetri and Brad Spence. Is he
5: going to uh, barbecue any mortadella?
3: I think, I, I have to look at the menu. I'll look at on uh, because we haven't right. shared, but I think it's going to be more than the hot dogs. Let's but if you go to a BBQ blowout July com. 10 bucks gets you a plate of veteran sprints food and a beer it's the gonna hang and uh, uh, Jason Green people. from Violent Bullshit is gonna be DJing excellent chris grosso and lauren cinnamon from vbs and uh we're talking about munchies your that was your first food
5: show yeah that yeah. was uh now for those those who've never seen munchies what is it i guess the basic format is that you um go to a chef's restaurant and you kind of cover him during his shift find out what kind of food they serve there what kind of restaurant it is and then when he's You know, when he's done, you head out to two or three places. He brings some friends along and shows you where he likes to eat afterwards. And when they're nice and loose, they head back to their own place, and then they cook up something that's not on the menu or not typical of what their cuisine is. And it ranges from a blowout celebration in the end to a a sad sandwich-eating affair among two people. Sad
3: (laughs) sandwich-eating. Yeah. Um, and who are some of the guests? You mentioned Brad Spence, you mentioned Anthony Bourdain, but you've had a whole litany of, of people
5: Andrew Zimmern, Michael White, Cal Elliott from Rye, Dale Talde, David Chang was the first one, the Franks, Frank's Cas- Frank Castronovo, and Frank Falcinelli.
3: Love um, those guys.
5: Uh, April Bloomfield.
3: Uh, now, there's a few infamous episodes,
5: right? The, there's a couple. The Bar Isabel one that well bar Isabel is just the it's in toronto uh we have some guys that we work with from the vice toronto office uh patrick mcguire sean felon and they've got this uh, great shooter editor albert hugh and uh we kind of work with them together and they sometimes they make toronto seem like the most fun place on earth and this bar Isabella would be uh <laughs> the center of that universe the okay. man who's been to toronto that is no easy task I gotta say this, people in New York say come shoot when it's not busy and then everywhere else in the country and I guess in the world they're like, well come on the night when it's the busiest so we can show how packed it is, you know, so Yeah,
3: and now you also did I think probably one of the biggest guts for you guys your first name chef was Eddie Wang's Fresh Off the Boat uh, Yeah, well I mean as, as a show with like, I mean which is I think that was a big turning point for you guys, because that was a show that followed a more basic, even though it was broken three parts, like your idea of what a traditional food show is with a named chef, and it's gangbusters, like done phenomenally well.
5: We uh, we worked with Eddie first on a Munchies, and then obviously he had a bigger idea. He's got a lot of uh, big ideas about what he wanted to do, and um, they kind of took it and ran with it, and you know, works with his production team there. and and they kind of, you know, make things that are more personal to him. Again, it's still, you know, a bigger show, but a bigger show. Advice is still, you know, two camera people tops. You know, the producer and then the talent. If if it's hosted like uh, fresh off the boat.
3: What What for you makes that show great? What do you love about it, Lauren?
4: Uh, well, it is really personal to him, and uh, he's super articulate, but yet can't he can connect to people and loves to put himself in situations uh, that he's just been interested in. They're shooting a new season and I think um, they're going to Mongolia is one of the locations. <laughs> wow. And he kind of goes from, he wants to do some highbrow stuff, some lowbrow stuff. They're going to Russia. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know, I, I think it's uh, how young people want to be talked to. They don't need uh, someone 30 years their senior telling them about what kind of food or situations they should pay attention to and he's tapped into a he, voice that's not represented. I also,
5: I also think as a younger person too though he doesn't talk he doesn't try to make it as uh, as simple as possible. He explains something straightforward and I think that's that's a good part too. You can be fun and you can get the facts out as well about something.
3: Yeah. Uh, also his if you never listen to it, his book on tape it's one of the best way to spend seven hours it's really funny and he's a great reader he really he's articulate I mean that's really he just he said the way that he turns phrases and gets his ideas across is really exciting um, but you guys have some other big things coming up as well you have a big launch in the fall
5: yeah we're gonna be launching a, a whole food vertical as they call it um, vice is basically uh, kind of the hub and we have creators project which is our Art and melding of art and technology. We have noisy, which is music. Then there's thump, which is the electronic dance music uh, events and scene. It's pretty uh, uh, vast in what it covers. There's Fightland, which is a collaboration between the UFC and Vice. And then we will have the uh, top secret name Vice Food Vertical, and that launches. Oh, top secret name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have it picked yet? Oh yeah, and it'll be when the when the party comes. That's when that that will happen. Oh that's gonna be a good party. Yeah. Who's going to cater to that one? Everybody. Everybody. Well,
4: yeah, tell <laughs> uh, we, we just want to put uh, a bunch of chefs together that you would never see uh, together at a restaurant or anything and do kind of a crazy menu blowout event.
5: And give it away. Awesome. It's free. That's
3: fantastic. <laughs> now, you're also working on an uh, Andy Ricker documentary, correct? Yes. Can you talk about the focus of what that documentary is going to be?
4: Uh, so we got invited to go to uh, Andy Ricker of Pak um, to Thailand with Andy in February because um, he was there doing some research, and uh, we uh, shot with him there. And um, then from that, it has grown into a documentary about what Pak Pak has become, um, but more about uh, Andy Ricker as a person and his obsessive personality that he is unlike anyone in the world that we think um doing thai food so it 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 talks a, a lot about food a lot about thailand but more about just how singular of a person that andy really is
5: yeah i mean he uh basically opened a restaurant in the United States that did not exist, and in 2005 I think that's pretty hard to do Um, you might go to some great Thai places in LA or San Francisco or in Queens, you know, Ayata or Shreepify, but you really won't find anything like the food that he does and the way it is on his menus, like there's just no there's nothing comparable and uh, to do something like that is no small task and it was, you know, it's pretty methodical. He's been traveling to Thailand for the past 25 years, and obviously he's a, a great student of culture and cuisine and basically just recreates things that he sees over there. But it's, uh, it's truly impressive once you get into the story, just what it goes into, into making something like that and then reproducing it in different iterations. I guess he's got six restaurants and a, uh, a beverage company, which is... Uh, and he's opening more. It's just oh, growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that. That's just that open. And when you watch him train his staff at these things, when we're filming, it's not like they can say, "Oh, I've cooked at uh, you know Ed's Thai restaurant down the street. We made that there." No, they don't have it anywhere else. And right. so, like, and it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. Is there a certain weight that sits on his shoulders
3: that you saw, like a certain responsibility to uh, himself in the cuisine?
4: Oh yeah, he holds himself to a higher standard than anyone. Uh, he could they say that he could make so many shortcuts um that he just refuses to do and he buys the equipment in thailand and uh gets the coconut milk presses it the same way they will in thailand and uh yeah you could just get it from a can but and we probably maybe wouldn't notice but to him it that means the world to him
5: yeah there's no other way i mean even if you when filming with him i've tried to like uh you know, as being behind the camera, you try to get some kind of uh, draw, some kind of common bond with them, and yeah. And I would try to mention some type of like Thai dish that maybe I had some other place, and just look at you blankly and be like, "Oh no, I don't know about that." And I'm like, <laughs> "All right, okay." <laughs> and then you just eat
3: more wings and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Oh, that's the best part. The most famous thing on his menu is a take on a Vietnamese style food.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, we we've talked about this and with the Franks as well is that. Sometimes you just need that one item to which you can build an empire: um, meatballs, chicken wings, and from there, you, you know you can really grow and flex your muscle as a chef or as a brand or as videos. In the same way that you guys have done with Munchies, which is your core uh, viewing type of experience, and then go from there. And it's amazing. I mean, that's people. People want, in some ways, something familiar they can sort of sink their teeth into. And then also trust you to experience something new as well.
5: That's a good way to put it. I think that Munchies is the thing that's gonna, you know, bring people in. Like I said, my uh, a friend who we've worked with in the past, he says his father sent him a, a couple episodes of Munchies and said that oh, we got to try these out. But then the people that want to stick around, they'll watch the Andy Ricker doc, or they're gonna watch the stuff that we're gonna do. That's you know, not on the you know, so much enjoyable side of food. We got a series coming out the politics of food and that will deal with some you know harsher food related topics but that's all going to be found on one site or one channel which is you know you don't have to your your favorite television station is also going to have your favorite guide to where to go eat and articles you can read and just picture galleries and then from there if you choose to go and explore something a little deeper we'll have we'll have the video content to go along with that and just
3: one last question are you guys looking forward to taking risks and type of programming and more of just, since it's not putting up a TV show, it's not dealing with sponsors, it's not dealing with commercials, saying, okay, this show sounds interesting, we'll we'll try it.
4: Totally. I mean, I think what Chris just said about the politics of food, the fact that something really serious uh, could exist in the same place when you're going out for a late night romp of kind of gluttonous food uh, adventure, and then you can have a serious documentary maybe about... Uh, Famine or water issues. Uh, I think we want to be on that line where you're uncomfortable and controversial, and maybe pushing things too far, and then have things that are a little safe. It's all—it's kind of what Vice does—is rides that rides that line a little bit.
3: Amazing. Well, congratulations. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Where can people go online or social? media to find all your stuff
5: right now just go to vice.com backslash munchies and uh, that should lead you to all that stuff on the um on vice youtube if you just go to youtube.com backslash vice and then there you can set up a munchies playlist which seems like a lot of uh, people are doing it's a little easier maybe to navigate than the than the site and then follow us at uh, at munchies on twitter and uh, vice munchies on instagram awesome all right, well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank uh you. We're
3: going to take a short musical break, and then Octo... Octa is going to be live in studio. One, two, three,
2: four. We have our summer days, nowhere to run, nowhere to play. I don't know you, but you know me something to see You're really nice but I just can't You're so damn sweet but there's no chance I like you so you just don't know What about me? You're really nice but I just can't You're so damn sweet but there's no chance I like you so you just don't know What about me? thought there was a spark with us now who am I supposed to trust you wanted her instead of me so now we're in kid history you're really nice but I just can't you're so damn sweet but there's no chance i like you so you just don't know what about me you're really nice but so damn sweet, but there's no chance I like you, so you just don't know What about me? You put me under so much stress You get your part and I get less, I try my hardest, do my best, that's why I'm tense You're really nice but I just can't, you're so damn sweet, but there's no chance I like you so you just don't know what about me? You're really nice, but I just can't. You so too sweet, but there's no chance I like you. So you just don't know what about me? You're really nice, but I just can't. You so too but there's no chance I like you. So you just don't know what about me?
3: So welcome, welcome to Snacky Tune. Hello. You are definitely the most appropriately dressed summer guy going here.
6: Except for in here, where it's it's cold, and now I wish I had a oh. something of a longer sleeve. I'm
3: oh, sorry. The we only have the boar's head, not the boar's pelt. No. <laughs> nice. um, so welcome. Super excited. Your EP just came out. Uh, you've been a, a, a proud father since the end of May.
6: No, not true.
3: No. Oh, so the EP. I've been the a LP. proud father
6: of this EP. The LP. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: No, not your not your actual kid, but you. I have no kids yet. You birthed this LP.
6: I did. Uh, in may may twenty eighth how's it feel and it it was the most stressful thing i have ever put together. What was the process for you? It was me having a nervous breakdown and then write, writing a record about it interesting so
3: well it sounds like you got the nervous breakdown out of the way yes before the actual album
6: no it would it was like partially recorded before and then finished afterwards and it was uh it was uh 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 yeah a stressful a stressful thing to put together
3: oh um. But you're happy with it now. Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy with it now. <laughs> pretty happy with it. That's, that's a very typical artist answer. Right, of course. It's like... Uh, uh, the, no, there's
6: the, always... for Forever, there's always more. It's, I hear something, I'm like, ah, I could change all these small things. But it doesn't matter. It's done. It's, it's over. Done. Yeah. So, for those who've never heard you, with the exception of the opening track of the, the
3: show, yeah, yeah. how would you explain your sound?
6: I just... I do house and techno. Love just, it. It's like dance music. Pretty straightforward. So real summertime vibes. Yeah, gotta be summertime vibes. Always summertime, even the winter? Ooh. Do you have, like, a darker winter set? I mean, I've, I've been writing a lot of, like, really, really cold tunes recently, trying to get out of the heat, but, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> gotta cool it down a little you bit. You gotta cool it down sometimes.
3: Um, that's... Yeah, that's, uh, that house techno sound. I love it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Did you always start out loving house and techno, or had you Oh, I used to...
6: I, I always liked electronic music. I actually was huge into like drum and bass and jungle for years and years and years and then some IDM stuff so I didn't really like house or techno cuz it has a 4/4 four, four beat which is mm-hmm. felt too simple to me for years when I was a teenager and then something clicked and now that's the thing I care about more than anything
3: more than anything
6: yeah How, house house music yeah all night long
3: sure Awesome. Well, do I play a track for us? Yeah, yeah why not? Uh, what do you have? Like, what do you have uh, ready for us?
6: I'll play. Uh, I'll play a tune that was on the on the LP. Uh, this song "Please Don't Leave."
3: Awesome. All right. Well, Octa Octa here live on Snacky Tunes. Yeah. really like that. Good. Smoothed out. <laughs> yeah. So you've had a busy start to the summer. Yeah. Uh, you did some of the Red Bull Music Academy.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your involvement there? I was one of the participants in the first term of it. So I was there for the first two weeks of, uh, of the month that they were doing events throughout the city.
3: That's great. What did you get to do with them?
6: Uh, I played. So I was just there. They brought in lectures every day. So I just went to two lectures from, you know, producers or mastering engineers or someone would come in and talk and then we had time they had studios set up so we could just work on whatever music with people and then they would have an event every night they could go out to do and everyone participating played one event so i played the bunker party with um andy stott and adam tm and uh uh object with the three those bunker Um,
3: parties are a blast
6: they're super fun it was a great party what
3: was your set from like 6 a.m to 8 a.m
6: no no no, I wish. I love I love playing super, super, super late sets. I do that I I did that like a six AM set in Germany once on a Monday which was my favorite. But no, I did like a I, I was I was like an opener but I still got to play at like one one to two, two thirty. Yeah. Which is still a great great time to play.
3: When you play those early morning sets, do you ever take a a late night nap and wake up early or did you stay up all night? <sighs>
6: I try to take a nap. I think I think a 20-minute nap, nap did, yeah. a disco nap, 20-minute disco nap, that's yeah. about...
3: I, I mean, I, I think disco naps happen somewhere between 10 and midnight. Those deep yeah, house yeah. set naps are more of a light snooze, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: No, you got to... It's I tricky. Th- I feel like as long as as long as that nap comes before 11 o'clock, yeah. I think you're good. You're good. Because there's a time, there'll be a period where then you'll wake up and you'll be like, do I really want to go now? Do I still really want to go out? Oh, my <laughs>
3: God. There, definitely that, like, you wake up at like... It's, it's definitely like between 12.30 and one you You're like, am I getting up? Am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and then you were also in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? It was great. They know at a party.
6: Oh, yeah. Uh, Perth on the on the West Coast is insane. Absolutely insane. Tell me about your time in Perth. It was, I, I don't know, went to the ocean, hung out with the dudes that played all these great weird disco and funk records and just, uh, just played played at a... At a club that was a rock and roll club that they were converting to something else. It was a giant six foot tall elephant head with glowing red course, eyes that was above course. the stage. Uh, it was it was just, it was insane.
3: And uh, what did you get to eat in Perth? Any good food?
6: No, I had a bunch of pho that I did not like. Oh. <laughs> that was about people kept bringing us to, to noodle places and I, I like I love like udon but it, was just, it just wasn't happening. Hmm. It was a bummer
3: what's the best meal you've ever had on uh, around the world on tour
6: when you got to play what's the best thing I had ooh I don't know oh I don't know just noodles noodles I, go anywhere. I just go, always as long as, as, long as someone hit somewhere has noodles most of the fi- time most of the time I spend time in Germany and Germany just typically doesn't have the great food when I was in Madrid I had a lot of great little things like some blood sausage and things like that uh, that was amazing yeah yeah
3: what's your favorite noodle spot in New York
6: Chuco, okay. Yeah. I like there a lot. I like that place a lot. Yeah, it's been my it's been my favorite so far. Is there
3: a food that you eat when you were writing and during your nervous breakdown that you found as a comfort?
6: Probably some ramen. Some ramen, so most likely.
3: So that's ramen. <laughs>
6: ramen with an egg dropped in it. Yeah. Hey. It's super fancy.
3: Even even when I'm not feeling down, that always picks up my. That's spirits. right. Um, all right, let's hear another track. What yeah. do you uh what, what do you got next?
6: I got this uh, older tune off a, a tape I did like two years ago. I'm What's it called? It's, uh the song's called Memories.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, Octa Octa here playing Memories live on Snacky Tunes. Okay. Some grooves all over your stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, so, what do you have coming up for the rest of the year now that the uh, LP is out? I know you got a couple of new sh- New York shows coming up. Some with two of my favorite dudes and Lady, the Discovery Crew.
6: Yeah, yeah, in September.
3: In September, that's gonna be awesome. Over at cameo. By the way, their new sound system—not um, cameo. Glasslands. Oh, yeah, Glasslands. Yeah, yeah. Glasslands. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the new, uh, the new um, sound system at Glasslands is awesome. It's,
6: it's. It, I was there. I opened for John Hopkins there. Oh, it sounded, yeah. it sounded great. It's great, yeah, I and mean, yeah. I think
3: they're going to hang the speakers It's going to get even better And Fantastic. I love the new, lights, the new lights Oh, the new lights are great Glasslands is really one of the few places I can speak of That start off as the most DIY, live-in, disgusting bathroom space that turned legit yeah. it's,
6: I, I, like that. I like that space a
3: lot I like that space a lot And then you're, and then you're playing at Glasslands uh, in uh, so that's September And then Cameo Cameo's is, this Friday This Friday with also
6: Anthony, with Anthony Naples. And I, I like that I like that space a lot too.
3: I think that their paper installation is one of the best. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. Like people got... walk
6: in and and they're like, what is that?
3: <laughs> but they've also done, shout out to Jiffy who did an amazing job expanding that space, blowing it out. No, it's great.
6: And that basement's that basement's great too.
3: Oh yeah, the basement's cool. It's yeah. like the like the disco downstairs basement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like den from the seventies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then you're playing uh in, in the big city, the big apple. Yeah, mm-hmm.
6: I'm playing on a, on a, a boat. Ooh. A boat at the end of the month, okay. With uh, with Switch and Neon Indians doing a DJ set and Grandmaster Flash.
3: Shout out to Alan. It, was,
6: it should be. It should be Grandmaster fun. Flash. Yeah,
3: that is that is a, that is a lineup.
6: I know it'll be exciting.
3: Uh, I bet you're going to drive past the Statue of Liberty on that boat tour. I, I hope so. If there's, <laughs> if there's one route, <laughs> I don't under, I don't understand. There's only one route for all the boats. That's true. Sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes four hours. I don't get it. <laughs> Um, and then beyond that, you putting out any new tracks? you doing any singles?
6: No, I have nothing planned right now. But um, I just finished a whole bunch of tunes that I'm sending out and something on yeah, Silk. And it's, it's all coming. It's all coming? Yeah, yeah. You feel good about the future? Yeah, 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 I feel good about the future right now. It wasn't for a while. There were like six months. I kept trying to write stuff. Nothing was happening. And then...
3: That creative process. That's
6: right. It's hard, it's it's man. It's a burden. You got to wait it out. Wait it out. Keep trying. Yeah. Stuff, stuff eventually starts... Uh, Together again,
3: we gotta talk to the people over at the Thump. Yeah. There you go, <laughs> all the electronic people. 100% yeah.
5: So? yeah, yeah we've uh, we used a lot of music for that Tattoo Age series for Not Not Fun.
6: Oh, yeah, yeah,
5: and uh, we licensed something from Jason and Aurora. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Enter Games, Under yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, Xander Harris, mm-hmm. yeah, One of the, yeah, the, some crossovers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: So, which, we, we try and do that on Snack-A-Dude, to have those <laughs> uh, crossovers that we don't even know about. Um, well, anyway, I want to thank uh, Lauren and Chris for hanging out, talking about everything, video and Vice for helping jam on that pizza, and then uh, Octo Octo, you're gonna take us out with something. Thank you. For, but before you go, nuts and bolts, if people can find the LP, find you online, Instagram, what's all that stuff.
6: Oh, um, I'm just Octo underscore Octo on Twitter. There's a Facebook thing. I think the record's available at whatever stores. Uh, on, t- on, that's a really Mid-haven. good store. Yeah, but no, no, no. But it's like what? It's distributed through Revolver or Midhaven. They just throw everywhere, man. It's okay.
3: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, when labels labels are just the guy at the labels going like God, dude.
6: That's right. Is <laughs> or it or contact or go to their their site? What is it? Silk dot com. Get buy all the records on, on there. Their we site go. Too. Listen to silk dot com.
3: Go. There we go. And that's uh. O C T O underscore O C T A. Yeah. And uh all right, well come out if you're not too hungover from July fourth this weekend. Uh but your type of music is what help people get to over hangovers. Yeah, you Especially just keep drink stuff. you just start drinking again. Keep That's how you drinking. do it. See fireworks two nights in a row, right? That's right, perfect. Uh so what's the last track you can take us out with?
6: Ah, uh, it's a track I finished like two days ago. doesn't really have a name.
3: Can we call it an exclusive? Yeah yeah. yeah. Awesome. Alright, great. Snacky tunes exclusive, Octo Octa. We'll be next week with uh two shot uh, Mike Theglan and uh Paulie Brent uh, here on Snacky Tunes he's going to be talking about the elm super excited cannot wait uh, summer is officially here and July 9th uh, bbq blowout july.eventbrite.com. marks Mark Vetri, Brad Spence Jason Green on the decks it's going to be good come hang out say hi uh, we'll see you next week yeah. well next up